Hey, once again, good morning. I'm so glad that you are here today. And we want to extend a special welcome to anybody who might be at the Bridge Church for the very first time. If it's your first time here, we welcome you today. If you might have any questions at all, we have an info center out in the lobby to the right. Stop by there and as you exit today and they can answer any questions. We also have a website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can check us out there. We have a church app you can download and get more information. We want to get connected with you. We're really glad that you are here today. We put our hands together and welcome our first time guests. Thank you for joining us. Today I want to jump right into God's Word and I want to share a little different kind of message today. Normally on Mother's Day I try to speak directly to the ladies, but God's put something in my heart that I really think fits all of us, but especially all parents, all parents-to-be, grandparents, guardians, those who fill the role of encouragers with the next generation in any way. And I want to share some things the next few minutes that I think are vitally important for where we're living today and what's going on in our society. And today I'm going to talk about a little bit about the story of Samson. Now everybody knows about Samson, even if you're somewhat unchurched, you know about Samson, this guy that had long hair and he was strong and the power of God was come, would come upon him and he would do great things. Like for example, he took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand men with it. Uh, how many of you think that'd be pretty impressive today? About a fourth of you, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, let me say it, let me say it this way. More sales have been killed by the same thing than what he killed men that day. I know some of you didn't get that. You know, never mind. <laughs> Sometimes you can talk yourself out of a deal. Think about it for a minute. He killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. And sometimes you can kill a sail doing the same thing, okay? How many got it that time? All right, thank you. Thank you. I know I, I, know I am deep sometime. But you know, also when you talk about Samson, the first thing that comes to a lot of people's minds is what? Delilah. Delilah. She cut off his hair. He lost his strength. He became a prisoner. His story is really a story of great victories and great tragedies. But we also know, if you study Scripture, Samson was a young man who was raised with what Scripture calls a Nazarite vow. And there were some very strict instructions that went with the Nazarite vow. The word Nazarite comes from a root word that means to separate. It means you separate to something, you separate to God, but it also means you separate from something. There are other things in life that you avoid. For example... If Samson took the Nazarite vow, which his parents took that vow for him, and we'll get into that in a few minutes, when you took the Nazarite vow as a young man, you agreed not to take a razor to your head. You wouldn't shave your head. You also agreed not to drink any wine, any intoxicating drink. You wouldn't even eat raisins or grapes, anything from the vine. You avoided it. You also agreed to stay away from unclean things, not to touch dead bodies as one of my pastor friends says don't associate with zombies so there are certain things you would agree not to do and certain things that you agreed to do to be used 
by God. Samson had taken a Nazarite vow. And when you took a, a vow to be a Nazarite or to separate yourself to God, you could do it for a season, for a period of time, or you could do it for all the days of your life. You made that decision. But today, what I want to do is I want us to back up a step. And I want us to talk about how did we get Samson? Where did he come from? How did we get a Samson? How do we get these stories and, and all the tales of this amazing man and the things he did under the power of God? Well, we go back to the story of his parents. His father's name was Manoah, but in the story of Samson in, in the book of Judges, his mother's name is not mentioned there. The father's name was Manoah, but the mother's name is not recorded. But I want to read today from Judges chapter 13. I'm going to begin today in verse number 2 if you want to follow along in your own Bible or the verses are right here on the screen. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman. And notice this, there are a couple times in Scripture, maybe a few times in Scripture, where angels came to set up the arrival of an important child. This is one of those occasions. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now, you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Verse 4, now therefore, now notice these instructions. This is what the angel says to this woman. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. And no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of of the Philistines. Now notice that verse. The angel said, here's some guidelines for his life. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to be a deliverer for his people. In verse 6, so this woman came and told her husband saying, a man of God came to me and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, nor did he tell me his name. So this woman doesn't yet realize she had spoken with an angel. She simply saw him as a messenger of God, maybe a prophet of God. But she recognized the countenance showed the presence and the glory of the Lord. Verse number 8, then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, notice these words. O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah and the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah arose and followed his wife and when he came to the man, he said to him, are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Manoah said, now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. Now there's more to the story 
and I'll refer, refer to a little more of it later, but let's stop reading right there. This woman was in, encountered an angel, was visited by an angel, and the angel encouraged her to take a Nazarite vow for the period of time that she would give birth and carry this son. She received specific instructions, and so she went home and told her husband, I've encountered a man of God, and he's made promises about me having a son. She had been barren up to that time in her life. And the man of God told me, we're going to have a son, but I need to be very careful because he's going to be an important child. You see, what's interesting about this is, in the days of the Bible, a woman could not take a Nazarite vow unless her father or her husband agreed to it. So when this angel visited her, she ran straight to her husband and said, a man of God came to me and told me I need to do this. What do you think? So Manoah began to pray. And his prayer was, let the man of God come and teach us what to do for the child. Let me ask you a question today. Shouldn't this be the prayer of every parent or guardian's heart? God, what, what do I do for this child? Give me some instructions. How do I handle this child properly? You know, Psalms 127 verse 3 tells us that children are the heritage of the Lord. And I think sometimes we get so caught up with, well, he's got daddy's nose and he's got mama's eyes and he's got grandpa's ears. I got both of my grandpa's ears. They're huge, okay? Don't know how that came out, but it did. But we get so caught up with what looks like me or it looks like you, looks like this one, that one. And we get so caught up with what I'm going to raise my child to be that I think sometimes we fail to stop and say, God, what's the value of this child's life? Why are you giving life to this child? And why are you placing this child in my home? When this man realized his wife had been visited by a man of God, his prayer became, come back and tell us how to do this job. Let me tell you something. The first thing you learn when you have a child is they do not come with instructions. I mean, mothers would love that. Okay? Dads would never read the book, but, but moms would. You know, dads don't need direction. They can figure it out. They'll have some parts left over, but they'll figure it out. You know, Send them a baby and they'll figure it out. But they don't come with instructions. And this man was wise enough to say, God, if you're going to put this special child in our home, come back and tell us how to do this. Shouldn't we look at our children and believe that every child that God gives life to is special? Why do we differentiate? Well, that child was special, but mine's not. Are you kidding me? If God's given life to that child, that child's life is special. And we need to approach God and say, show me how to correctly and properly raise this child you've put in my life. But then beyond that, Manoah asks a couple of questions. He prays this prayer. The angel shows up again to his wife. The wife comes back and gets him. He runs out to the field where the angel is, and the angel begins to talk to them. And Manoah says, okay, I got two questions to ask you. First question is, what will be the boy's rule of life? 
What will be the boy's rule of life? Can I, can I interpret that for you today and say it a little differently? What are the guidelines and the boundaries that we need to place on this son's life? One of the responsibilities of those of us who have children, grandchildren, we play a guardian or encourager's role in a child's life. One of the responsibilities is to put guidelines and boundaries on their lives. It comes the territory. We can't abdicate that responsibility. We can't say, well, somebody will tell them. Somebody will teach them. I'll take them to church once a month. Uh, I might even get to church twice a month, some months, if it's a good month. You know, surely somebody will teach the kid the boundaries. No, it's the responsibility of the home to teach the child boundaries for their lives. Because boundaries are important. Boundaries are important. So Manoah asked an important question. What are the boundaries we put on him? You know, boundaries are like guardrails. They keep you from going off the cliff and crashing. So we asked the question, what are the boundaries we should put on this life? Well, shouldn't we all be asking that question of every child born into our home? Every child that enters our lives, how do I help this child establish boundaries for their lives? I can imagine Samson growing up. And you know, today in the Jewish culture, you still see people who are very religious and they've taken vows and they don't put a razor to certain parts of their head and they do certain things. And you know, they stand out in a crowd. Recently, we were traveling in an airport and we ran into a group of very strict Jewish people. And they stood out in the crowd because of how they were dressed, because not just of their dress, but of their hair, especially the men. And we saw them and looked at them and realized they've made a commitment. They've made a vow to God. And therefore, they do certain things and they don't do other things. Can you imagine Samson growing up, wanting to fit in with the rest of the kids, wanting to hang out with the kids? And one of the guys looks at him and says, dude, you can't hang out with us. Your hair looks goofy. Why don't you get a haircut? Why don't you clean yourself up a little bit? Why don't you do something stylish with your hair? Can you imagine what the response was when Samson said, because my mom and dad won't let me? See, some of us are so afraid that if we put boundaries on our kids' lives, they're not going to be accepted by people around them. The most important thing you can do is put boundaries on your children's lives that keep them from winding up in places where they're going to learn the wrong things. Best thing you can do. Part of our responsibility is to be adults. How many of you know that parents need to be adults? It's part of our responsibility. We are the adults. They are the children. Therefore, we need to put some guardrails in place so they don't go over the cliff and have a crash. It's part of our responsibility to teach our children to look at their friends and say, no, I'm sorry, I can't go there. Why not? My parents won't let me. It doesn't matter if they're ridiculed. They'll learn to stand up under it. Why? Because they learn that there are blessings that come when they stay on the right pathways. Over time, they begin to figure it out. You know, Proverbs 22.6 says this, very familiar verse. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not Depart from it. I want to talk about this for a few minutes. There is power and there is influence in godly training. Did you know every one of us can play a role in helping train a child to be an adult? A godly adult? Every one of us has opportunities to do that. 
There's power. There's influence when we do godly training with children. And I want to walk through that verse because when it says train up a child, it means to narrow the pathway. It doesn't mean to broaden the path and let them do anything and everything that our little heart desires. It means to narrow the path so they stay on the right path. It means to discipline them to stay on the path. Teach them to walk that pathway. It also means to teach them to dedicate themselves to that pathway. And it says to do it while they're children in their infancy. Because there are many paths in life and you need to teach your children how to choose the correct pathway and how to stay on that path. And then the promise is when they become old and they become aged, they won't turn off of the right path. That's the promise God has made. So if I want my child to stay on the right path as an adult, it becomes my responsibility to teach them to stay on the right path when they're young, to mold and shape their lives. And I want to say one thing about this. I got a lot to say the next few minutes here, but I got to get this in there. If we do not teach godliness to our children, if we do not teach godliness to our children, the world will teach godlessness to our children. And it's happening all around us. Got a children's pastor in here, and I think I got an amen over there. No, say it louder. Amen. There you go. We got a youth pastor in the house. Can I get an amen down there? See, we're we're teaching it here, okay? We're working on it. Let me tell you something. There is a war going on out there for your children's minds. And if we do not teach them what is right, the world's going to teach them what is wrong, and they're going to mold our children. It's going to happen. It's happening already. So how do we teach boundaries to our children? I'm going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to give you four thoughts. We'll have the verses on the screen. Four main thoughts and then some comments behind it. Number one, look at verse number 6 of Deuteronomy 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. See, you can't teach something to your children that you don't already have in your own heart and your own life. It needs to be in your heart. Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Now, there's more in the verse, but we're going to stop here for a moment. You shall teach them diligently to your children. That word diligently means to point things out. It means to point things out intensively. How many of you know sometimes parenting is an intense job? To point things out intensively. To point things out until you begin to pierce and get your point across. I raised two boys. One of the things I learned quickly as a father was they don't always hear you the first time. So sometimes you have to be a little intense and point and point and point until it makes an indentation on their heart and it breaks through and they begin to realize this is serious stuff. I need to listen to this. That's good. That's, man, that's good. That's really good. We need to diligently teach our children. So I want to ask you a question today. What are we teaching our children? What are we teaching our children? Not not what the pastor saying on Sunday. What are we teaching our children? What are we doing outside these walls to teach our children? And, And the second part of the question is, are they getting the point? Are 
they getting the point? You see, it's my responsibility as a parent to make sure they get the point. You know something else I've learned about raising children? They don't always like the point. They don't always like it. But the Bible doesn't say teach them to like the point. It says get the point across to them. And when they're old, they'll know the right pathway to walk. See, Solomon also said foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. How many of you know that's true? But the rod of correction drives it far from them. Keep them on the right pathway. So we need to teach them over and over until they get the point. Now let's pick up the rest of verse 7. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. The second, second suggestion I want to make to you today is talk about the guardrails. Talk about the principles of God. Talk to your children. Talk to them over and over again. Talk to them. Talk to them at home. Talk to them when you're traveling in the car in everyday lifestyle. Talk to them before they go to bed at night. That's what the scripture says. And then talk to them in the morning when they get out of bed. Oh my gosh, you want me to talk to my kids all day long about God? Yeah. Why? Because that's how they get the point. Because that's our first responsibility as parents, to teach our children. You know, I've said this probably at least once a year, every year for the last 12, 13 years. I'm going to say it again today. The church exists to reinforce what parents are teaching at home. Don't expect the church to save your child and teach everything to your child. We get them for an hour a week, some cases an hour a month, sometimes Christmas and Easter, which makes two hours a year. Okay? We cannot teach your children much in that point, that, that period of time. It becomes the responsibility of parents to teach their children the ways of God. And it's the responsibility of the church to reinforce that. So they can come and hang out with other children who are getting the same teaching. Other teenagers who are getting the same teaching. So they can stand shoulder to shoulder and draw strength from each other and say, we may be a little bit different. Mom may not let us do that. Dad may not let us do that. God, God has caused them to put boundaries and guardrails in our lives. The world doesn't understand it. Our friends at school may not understand it. But we're going to follow God. We're going to stick together and be his people. That's the purpose of the church for your kids. To reinforce what you're doing at home. So the question is, when are you talking to your kids? Is it when they get up in the morning? Is it when you're riding in the car? Is it at dinner time? Is it before they go to bed? You know, my boys, when they were little, and I know I've told this before, and some of you say, oh, here we go again, reminiscing on the olden days. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I've almost got them raised. One's 40 and one turned 37 this week. So I've almost got them raised. And, and they're starting to come out okay. They're starting to get there. Okay? They're starting to get the point. When they were little, every night before they went to bed, there were rare exceptions, but pretty much every night before they went to bed, we read a Bible story that had questions with it. We'd ask the questions, and then after they answered the questions correctly, then we would pray. We would ask them what they wanted to pray about. We had them pray. We taught them to pray. We modeled for them the way they should become adults. And they have done a pretty good job of following the pathway. I still have to spank Zach now and then, but things are pretty good other than that. 
Zach hates it when I use him for an illustration. He hates it. Everybody clap for Zach right now. You embarrass him really good because he hates it. So when are, you, when are you talking to your kids? When are we talking to our children? Third thing, verse 8 says this. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Little boxes that they strapped around their foreheads and put between their eyes. Promises of God, the word of God. What it's saying is all of our actions and the way we see the world around us needs to be seen through the word of God with an eternal perspective. Let me take it one step further. Here's point number three. The third point is we need to model God's principles in our own personal everyday lives. First church I pastored had a group of teenagers that did not want to serve the Lord. I spent some time with them, had some success with some of them. And here's the most common question I, or common answer I got from those teenagers. Why do we need to do this? Our parents don't do it. Remember the old statement, don't say as I, don't do as I say, do as I, or don't do as I do, do as I say. Doesn't work with kids. We have to model for them. This is how you live when you have trust in God. Your actions, your deeds, your honesty, your sincerity, the way you deal with people, the way you worship God and respond to God. You need to be modeling for your child what they want to be when they grow up. It's our responsibility. So the simple question is, are we practicing what we preach? Or do I say one thing but do something different? Fourth thing, verse number nine says this, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Make God's boundaries the rules of your house in your home. Let God's boundaries be the rules of your house and your home. You know, I don't know how, how often you see this today. And I'm, I'm not being, I'm not picking, so just, Stay with me. Let me, let me make this point. When I was a kid, when, when you went to a family's house to, for dinner or to visit, or I'd go over to my friend's house, if they were Christians, somewhere in the house you'd see a, a plaque on the wall or something that says, Jesus is the Lord of this house. Or you'd see something like the family that prays together, stays together. Or you'd see a picture of Jesus on the wall. How many remember those cheesy old pictures of Jesus we used to have? Some of us thought those were Kodak copies, but they weren't. So we used to do that because we wanted people who walked into our house to know Jesus is the Lord of this house. I know today it's, it's, it's really cheesy for a lot of people. It's like, eh, that's old-fashioned or that, that's uncalled for. You know what? I think we need something in our home that makes a statement to people that says, when you come in here, we're living by God's rules, not the rules of the world. We may be a little different. We may not do what everybody else does, but we're raising our children to know the Lord. That's our job. Jesus needs to be the Lord of our homes. When people walk through the doorway, they need to know, wow, I'm, I'm stepping into sacred area. Our homes need to be that to raise godly children. So the question is, who is the Lord of my home? And is it obvious to everybody who enters? Now, let me give you three or four other things just real quick here. 
I think it's really important. Deuteronomy 4.9 talks about this. I think it's really important that you talk with your children about your experiences with God. God told the Israelites, tell your children about the things I've done. You need to tell your children, I believe in God and he's done this and this and this and this. Tell your stories. Share your testimony. Let your kids know we trust in God and here's the great things he's done for us. Let me tell you some stories about what God did. When your children have a need, tell them a story how God's met a need like that in the past for you. Share your story. And then a second thing I think is important, we need to talk about God's promises to our children. You know, almost every promise in Scripture has a principle in front of it. Here's the principle. Walk this pathway and here's the promise. Here's what God's going to do. Sometimes we get so busy with the guardrails and don't do this and don't do this and don't do this that we fail to teach our children. There's blessing that's coming your way as you walk with God. Tell your children how God has blessed your life and blessed your home and how he's done great things. Tell those stories and then pray with your kids. Now, I know, dads, I'm going to intimidate you right here. But it's not mom's job alone to pray with the kids. It's not... Dads, you need to be praying with your kids too. And I know what you, well, I don't know how to pray. You preachers know. You talk to everybody else. You talk to your wife. You talk to your siblings. You talk to your boss, your coworkers, your neighbors, people in the supermarket, wherever you, you talk to people everywhere. If you can talk to people, you can talk to God. Just sit down and start talking to him. Then listen. Heard somebody one time say, well, I, when I talk to God, it seems like I don't hear anything. Well, that's because he's listening. And it's like, come on, there's more. He's waiting for you to tell it all. Talk to God. Pray with your children. Well, it doesn't sound like you. It's not supposed to sound like me. It's supposed to be your words talking to God. Pray with your children. Another thing that I think is so important today, and I got scripture for this. Ephesians 6 talks about it. Paul wrote these words. We're to teach our children one of the commandments of God from the Ten Commandments. Somebody recently told me they used to go to a church that called them the Ten Suggestions. They're not the Ten Suggestions. They are the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, Ten Directives God gave us. One of them is children are to obey their parents. They're to honor their parents. Doesn't mean they're always going to love their parents. There were times my boys didn't like me. Right now, after what I did this morning, Zach doesn't like me right now. But he'll get over it. They're not always going to be happy with you, but they need to learn to respect you and honor you. Why? Because if children do not respect their parents at home and honor the authority in the home, they will never learn to honor the authority in society. And friends, I'm going to tell you something. We've got an epidemic in our country right now because many, many fathers have left home, have not raised the children that they brought into this world. They refuse to show them the way. They refuse to teach them authority. And our prisons are running over because dads are absent not teaching children how to obey authority. Learning to obey authority starts at home. I'm going to tell you something else. and I know I'll make somebody mad when I say this. But I preached about getting offended two weeks ago, okay? So go back and listen to that after you hear this. You know what? If you're teaching your children to be disrespectful and rebellious against law in our land today, you are failing as a parent. And I know somebody's going to get angry. There's injustice. I know that. 
I know that, but there's injustice at home. There's injustice everywhere you go. But if there is no law, the Bible says in the last days, one of the problems that ushers in Antichrist is a spirit of lawlessness. And we're teaching this in our land today. And I know that not every person who stands behind the law is correct. They make mistakes. They do some horrible things. But that doesn't mean the law is wrong. And it doesn't mean everybody involved in the law is wrong. We have to have law to rule our land. We have to have it. You miss me. <laughs> See, Paul wrote the words, he said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You know what? On Mother's Day, probably the best thing I can do for moms is to tell dad, you need to get involved in your children's upbringing with the mother. You have a responsibility to... Second question. I, 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 that's just the first question he asked. I'm going to move fast. I know some of you are worried. I'm going to move really fast. The second question that Manoah asked the angel was, what shall be his work? Let me interpret it. What is our son's purpose in life? What has God created him to do? Shouldn't, shouldn't that be one of our prayers also as we raise our children? God, show me. Help me see the gifts in them. Help me see the calling you put on their lives. Help me mold and shape their lives and keep them on the pathway that you have for them. They're, they're your children. We have a responsibility in this. Let me tell you something. There is amazing power. There's amazing freedom and liberty in finding God's purpose for your life. One of the greatest days of my life when I figured out what my purpose was and what God wanted from me. Every time he leads me into a new stage of life, there's purpose there. And every time I step into that purpose, it frees me. It frees me to be used in a greater way by God. But here's the thing. We have got to tell our children, if you want to know the purpose of a thing, you've got to ask the creator of the thing. You find your purpose in God. We need to model that for our children. We need to show them how to seek God, how to know God, how to hear God, how to read his word, how to understand his word, and then how to become what God created each one of us to be. And after the angel heard these two questions, he basically said, well, I've already told the woman, here's the deal. You're going to raise this son. Here's how you're supposed to raise him. The angel in verse 13 of Judges 13, and you don't need to turn there, he, he made this statement. The angel's last words were, be careful with all of my instructions. All of my instructions. What he actually said was, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. The word careful means to hedge about, to guard it, to protect it, and attend to it. What the angel said was, Manoah, you help your wife carry her into the deal, and then you raise that son the way God says he needs to be raised. Be careful. Guard it. Protect it. Don't give up on the principles of God. Teach Samson 
the rule of life. Teach him his purpose. Help him know it and fulfill it. And can I tell you something? When, when you read the story of Samson, all the great things that he accomplished, his great purpose in life, it all began with his parents. His parents walked him into that. The last Sunday of this month, as you heard in our video announcements, is Child Dedication Sunday. We'll be dedicating children to the Lord. It's not just a time where we walk to the front and take pictures and all the family shows up to say, isn't that baby cute? It's a time when parents take a vow to say, I'm going to teach my, my child the guardrails and I'm going to raise him to be what God created him to be. It's really not child dedication. It's really parent dedication. And finally, the last point in closing. When Samson became an adult, Samson struggled. He fell. He, he, he made some big mistakes and wound up in bondage for years. But at the end of his life, he killed twice as many Philistines that he did in his living of life. But here's what I want to point out to you. What, what do you do when your child struggles? We've got parents here today, your children are struggling. Some of you, your, your teenagers are struggling. Some of you have got kids in college who are struggling. Some of you have got children who are starting families who are struggling. Some of you have got older kids who are struggling. And they've not stayed on the pathway. And it hurts, it's embarrassing, it's discouraging. And you carry the load of that and you say, what do I do? I often wonder what Manoah and his wife felt while Samson was struggling. Samson had a problem with women. I mean, it's just obvious. Read the scriptures. He had a problem with women. And he told his secrets to people to whom he shouldn't have told his secrets. And he lost his hair and he lost his strength. And he lost the power of God in his life for a season. But there came a point in time where Samson turned and came back. What do I do? What do I do for a struggling child? I think almost every parent at some point in time, your child has been a struggling child. Three suggestions. Number one. Pray for them. I can't tell you how many nights when my boys were trying to figure out what their life was about. Two or three o'clock in the morning when they weren't home but they were old enough to make their own decisions. And my heart as a dad was breaking. I cannot tell you how many times in the middle of the night Ann and I joined hands and said, Father, build a hedge of protection around our boys. Until you get their heart and you bring them back home where they belong. Pray for your kids. Don't give up. Pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. Number two, encourage them with rightness and the promises of God. Don't beat them up. Don't tell them how dumb they are, how rebellious they are. Don't tell them that they're going to go to hell. Pray for them and then encourage them and tell them if you walk the pathway with God, he'll bless your life and he'll turn things around. And number three, Keep the light on. Be very careful. Be very careful. Unless God puts it in your heart, be very careful about telling your child, don't you come back to my house again. You don't belong here anymore. Don't do that. Keep the light on.
Because I still see the picture in the story of the prodigal son that after a long season, that kid came walking down the road, dirty, filthy, stinky, had been in the pig pen. His dad's out on the front porch looking down the road and he sees him at a far distance and he runs to meet him. That's what we need to do. Meet our kids where they are. When they're ready to come home, keep the light on and welcome them home. You see, God may be trying to drop a Samson into your world. Somebody needs to hear this today. God may be trying to drop a Samson into your world. But Samsons are a product of godly commitment and godly influence. Let me pray for you today. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you for your word because it's truth. Sometimes your word makes us happy and sometimes it speaks correction. But your word is truth and I thank you for your word. I thank you I've had the privilege to share with these people today. Those in the building, those watching online, I've had the honor of sharing with them on Mother's Day. But Father, for all of us today, we have an opportunity, including grandparents, including extended family, we have an opportunity to speak into our children's lives and influence their futures. God, we've heard a lot today. Whatever hit home with us, help us to take it to our hearts and walk it out before you with our children's futures in mind. God, I pray for our kids today. Pray for our kids today. God, they're being hit with so much stuff that is godless. Help us to be sensitive and know what our children are hearing and learning. When we see warning signs in their lives, help us to sit them down and talk to them, to know what's happening so we can counteract it with the word of God and teach them truth. Help us to build guardrails. Help us to help them find their purpose in life, to become everything you created them to be. And Father, if our children say, God's called me into the ministry, help us to release them and let them go where God's called them to go. Father, I thank you that with every message like this, you give us grace to be the people you've called us to be. You would not give us an impossible mission. Your grace will empower us to finish the job. And I thank you for it today. While heads are still bowed, one more thing. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've listened to all this and you're thinking, well, I wish I'd learned this younger. You know what? You're never too late, never too old to start walking with God. Maybe today you've listened to this and something's grabbing at your heart and you're thinking, man, I, I, would, I would love to have God's blessing in my life. You can. Doesn't matter what your age is, doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, God loves you. He put his own son on the cross to pay for all your sin, all your failures, so he could clean you up and bring you into his family. Maybe right now God is knocking on the door of your heart and you're realizing this is right and this is true and it's good for me. He needs you to open the door and say, come in. We do that with prayer. So I want to lead you in a prayer right now that will help you open up your heart and let God work. I'm going to ask everybody here to pray this prayer. If you're watching online, pray this prayer right where you are. Wrap your heart around these words and say this with me. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. Be my Savior. Become the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways so I can follow you. I want your presence and I want your blessing. So I give my life to you. I accept Jesus this day as my Savior. 
And from this moment forward, I will follow you. Thank you for receiving me. This is my prayer. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, it's the most important prayer you can ever pray in this life. But it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. We'd love to give you a little tool, a little booklet. It's our free gift to you. It's called The Next Seven Days. There are no strings attached to this. When service is over, right over there on the right and on the left, the front of the building, we'll have prayer teams there to pray with anyone for any need. They've got the booklets. Just walk up and say, can I have one of the booklets? They'll give it to you. Again, no strings attached. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something, they can help you. If you're watching online, you see on the screen there are ways you can connect with us through the website or through our church app. We can get the same booklet to you to help you out there. We'll get it to you electronically. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. Can we also give Pastor Gary a great hand for that word today? What a great reminder for, for all of our parents or, or parents-to-be someday. Uh, you know, just yesterday and actually this morning, uh, we were talking with our kids, and, and uh, they get something called commission, which means that they have to earn it. They have some chores, some things that they have to do around the house, and, and they earn money for that. Well, they wanted to go to, to buy a toy, and, and they did that. And then when they got home, it was, hey, but did you set aside some money for, for your tithe and offering? And they thought a second and like, uh, yes, yes, I, I, I do, I do. And so this morning as, as we were getting ready, loading up the truck, um, I asked my son like, hey, do you have your tithe today? And he's like, yeah, dad, I got it in my pocket. I'm like, way to go. And then my daughter, she's like, oh, let me run upstairs. So she ran upstairs and she got her tithe to bring it down. And so, you know, we're trying to model that. Just as there's so many things in, in a godly household that you want to model to your children. And I remember it when I was a child, my parents doing the same thing to me and just modeling that. So as we take a moment, as we continue in our time of, of worship today by giving, I want to encourage you to model that for your children. Thank you so much for your continuing generosity. I just want to tell you that you are doing incredible things uh, around this valley, around this uh, country, and around this world. Um, I, I can tell you, most people don't know this, but every week our worship service, our worship team, um, what they're doing here, we are actually sending that to a, a church in Italy who then broadcast it to their church, who then rebroadcast it to the nations that they represent and so it's incredible what God is doing through your generosity and through uh, the bridge here. So we want to thank you for that. There are different ways on the screen that you can give and want to encourage you. Um, before we go today, there are some uh, giving stations at the back of the doors here or one out in the lobby. You can give online or you can give uh, with uh, old school. You can go tie the envelope and you can put that back there. But we want to thank you so much for being here today. And we love you all. Uh, happy Mother's Day. And also, ladies, don't forget, all ladies on your way out, we have a special gift for you today. Please take advantage of our photo booths out there. Get that picture and put that on Instagram today. We love you all. God bless. God bless.